Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast, where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today we've got a lovely little cozy indie game for you on our kind of like indie set, our smaller episodes for it. Um, and somewhat fitting in our current climate, uh, talking a little bit about the game Firewatch. Yeah, man, a little fire watching action. Now, of course, I mean... Don't mean to be insensitive to anything going on around the world, but like, yeah, there, there's a lot of issues right now, I think, with fires, the heat, the temperatures rising around the world. This game is definitely very topical in that regard, but, you know, aside from all that stuff, just a laid-back, relaxing game. Your job is to watch for fires. Um, really gorgeous little indie title. Yeah, and, and as you start to get into kind of the, the, the overall aspect or, or, or interest of the game is really where it starts to delve into like, ooh, there's a little bit more going on. So let's jump into it. Firewatch is an adventure game developed by Campo Santo and published by the developer in partnership with Panic. The game was released in February 2016 for Microsoft Windows, OS X, Linux, and PlayStation 4, for Xbox One in September 2016, and for Nintendo Switch in December 2018. The story follows a fire lookout named Henry in the Shoshone National Forest a year after the Yellowstone fires of 1988. A month after his first day at work, strange things begin happening to him and his supervisor, Delilah, which connects to a conspired mystery that happened years ago. Henry interacts with Delilah using a walkie-talkie, with the player choosing from dialogue options to communicate. His exchanges with Delilah inform the process by which their relationship is developed. The game was directed by Ali Moss and Sean Vanneman, written by Chris Remo, Jake Rodkin, Moss and Vanneman, and produced by Gabe McGill and artist Jane Ng. The game's environment was modeled by Ng based on a single painting by Moss. The design draws inspiration from New Deal advertisements by the National Park Service and field research conducted in Yosemite National Park. The game received generally positive reviews, earning praise for its story, characters, dialogue, and visual style. However, the presence of technical issues and the game's ending were both subjects of criticism. Firewatch won the award for Best 3D Visual Experience at the Unity Awards 2016, Best Indie Game at the 2016 Golden Joystick Awards, Best Narrative at the 2017 Game Developers Choice Awards, and debut game at the 2017 British Academy Games Awards. By late 2016, the game had sold over a million copies. Which is great for an indie title, and the studio, you may not know about them, of course, being a smaller studio, but Campo Santo is that small but scrappy game developer based in San Francisco, California. 
they set out to make games about interesting people in fascinating places. In 2016, Campo Santo released their debut title, which was Firewatch, and, like Alex said, sold over 1.5 million copies. Campo Santo also publishes the Campo Santo Quarterly Review, a literary journal, is co-producing a film adaptation of Firewatch, and designs high-quality merchandise that you can buy. They're currently working on their second game in the Valley of the Gods. Now, Firewatch is the first video game from Campo Santo, was created by Jake Rodkin and Sean Vanaman, who were the creative leads on The Walking Dead, Nels Anderson, the lead designer of Mark of the Ninja, and, of course, there was artist Ollie Moss. Chris Remo was involved in many aspects of the design and also composed the score. Development for Firewatch began with a single painting by Moss. Jane Ng, lead environmental artist at Campo Santo, was tasked with translating Moss's work into 3D environments while maintaining his stylized artistic vision. Moss, who had previously been known primarily for his graphic design work, had joined Vanneman and Rodkin to found Campo Santo after spending many years working on the periphery of game development. In creating the painting, Moss emulated National Park Service posters from the New Deal era in both color palette and iconography. The development team went on a camping trip to Yosemite National Park for inspiration for the game, where they visited a lookout tower built with the same design as its video game counterpart. Further inspiration for the game came from Vanneman and Anderson's experiences growing up in rural Wyoming. Firewatch runs on the Unity game system. Ng disapproved of the tools for creating trees and therefore hand-modeled the 23 kinds of trees that would be placed within the game 4,600 times. A custom shader was also employed to produce more stylized and simplified foliage. The in-game fire lookout towers were built in accordance with government specifications. Utilizing standard lumber size and Ng's first attempt was unsatisfactory. The walkie-talkie interaction in Firewatch is inspired by the relationship in Bioshock between the player character and Atlas, as well as a dialogue system from The Walking Dead. At one point in the development, it was intended that the protagonist would be able to communicate with multiple characters, such as hikers, but the idea was discarded due to its expense and the schedule requirements with which the team were working. The team hoped to avoid lip-syncing and minimize the amount of animation needed due to the limited team's size and resources. The developers cast Sissy Jones, who appeared in The Walking Dead, as the voice of Delilah in 2014. It took longer to find a voice actor for Henry, whom the developers felt jibed with Jones. They ultimately cast Rich Sommer. Jones and Sommer recorded their lines in separate studios, but while on conference calls with each other, to achieve a more natural rapport. The actors made a decision not to meet during production to maintain the distance between their characters. The game's opening chapter features the song Push Play from Joy Chun and Nate Bosley's 2014 synthwave album Let's Get Electric, which depicts a fictitious 1980s synthpop act known as Cheap Talk. Taylor Dane's Tell It To My Heart was used as a placeholder in the scene but Vanneman conceded that the song was too overwhelming and would cost too much to license. Upon the realization that it would also be too costly to commission a song, Remo sought a song in the style of the 1980s by an unsigned independent artist, leading to the use of push play. 
The score features a combination of electric and acoustic guitar, bass, and electric piano, with samples of Fender Rhodes as a substitute for the actual piano. Remo played all of the instruments himself. The game was announced in March 2014 with a tentative release date of 2015. At GDC, Campo Santo hosted a public playtest, and Ng hosted a panel on the design and aesthetic of the game entitled The Art of Firewatch. In June 2015, the team visited E3. There, they confirmed that they would be bringing the game to PlayStation 4, but that this would be the only console version. However, an Xbox One version was later released in North America on September 21st, 2016, featuring an audio tour and a free roam mode. Due to ratings issues, the version was delayed in Europe until September 30th, and in Australia and New Zealand until October 14th. Users of the HTC Vive and Oculus Rift virtual reality headsets can tour Henry's Lookout Tower using the Steam application destinations. For this purpose, the scene was rebuilt on the Source game engine. Firewatch was made compatible with PlayStation 4 Pro on its November 10 launch, with enhanced performance through 4K resolution and high dynamic range imaging. The free roam mode was enabled for PlayStation 4 Pro and Steam shortly thereafter. Partnering with Limited Run Games, Campo Santo distributed under 10,000 physical copies of the game on PS4. 4,800 copies were made available for order on the Limited Run Games website on December 16, 2016, while 2,500 were sold through the Campo Santo online store starting January 16, 2017. In April of 2018, Campo Santo announced the game would be released for Nintendo Switch later in the year. It was later clarified that the Nintendo Switch port would be a heavily optimized version of the game, and the update would also be available for other platforms. Additionally, the Nintendo Switch version featured some exclusive elements. Campo Santo later confirmed via Twitter the worldwide release date for the Switch port as December 17th, 2018. And now let's talk more about the actual gameplay of Firewatch itself, which is an adventure game played from a first-person view that takes place in the American state of Wyoming in 1989. Players take on the role of Henry, a fire lookout who is assigned to his own tower in Shoshone National Forest. Through exploration of the surrounding area, Henry uncovers clues about mysterious occurrences in the vicinity that are related to the ransacking of his tower while he is out on a routine patrol and a shadowy figure that occasionally appears watching him from afar. Henry's only means of communication is a walkie-talkie connecting him to his supervisor, Delilah. Players may choose from a number of dialogue options to speak with her upon the discovery of new interactive objects or environments or can refrain from communicating. The player's choices will influence the tone of Henry's relationship with Delilah. As the story progresses, new areas will be opened up for players, and certain events are set at different times of the day. Objects found in the wilderness can be kept in the inventory for later use. Upon finishing the game, players can explore the game in an open-world, free-roam mode. So the game is a little bit more, obviously, than just watching out for fires. And the plot starts in the spring of 1989. After his wife develops early-onset dementia, Henry takes a job as a fire lookout in Shoshone National Forest, Wyoming. On his first day, Delilah, a lookout in another watchtower, contacts him via walkie-talkie and asks him to investigate illegal fireworks by the lake. Henry discovers a pair of teenage girls who accuse him of leering. 
On his way back to his tower, he comes across a locked cave and spots a shadowy figure watching him before disappearing. He returns to his watchtower to find it ransacked. The next day, Delilah asks Henry to investigate a downed communication line. He finds it cut with a note apparently signed by the teens. He and Delilah plot to scare the girls off, but when he finds the girls' campsite ransacked and abandoned, they begin to worry. Henry finds an old backpack and a disposable camera belonging to a boy named Brian Goodwin, who Delilah explains was the son of Ned, a former lookout. Ned was an outdoorsman who drank heavily due to his traumatic experiences in the Vietnam War, while his son Brian enjoyed fantasy novels and role-playing games. Though it is against the rules for employees to bring their children to the towers, Delilah was fond of Brian and lied about his presence. He and Ned apparently left abruptly and never returned. The teenage girls are reported missing. Fearing an inquiry, Delilah falsifies reports to say that neither she nor Henry encountered the girls. Two months after Henry started his job, a small wildfire breaks out south of his tower. Two weeks later, Henry discovers a radio and a clipboard while fishing, with notes including transcripts of his conversations with Delilah. He is beaten unconscious by an unseen assailant and wakes up to find the clipboard and radio gone. In a meadow referred to on the clipboard letterhead, he finds a fenced-off government research area. He breaks in and discovers surveillance equipment and typewritten reports detailing his and Delilah's conversations and private lives. He also discovers a tracking device, which he takes with him. Henry and Delilah discuss destroying the government camp, but decide against it. As Henry hikes home, however, someone sets fire to the camp. The next day, Henry uses the tracking device to find a backpack with a key to the locked cave. Delilah reports a figure in Henry's tower. When Henry arrives, he finds a Walkman taped to the door with an incriminating recording of Henry and Delilah's discussion about destroying the government camp. The next day, Someone impersonating Henry calls another lookout and claims that Delilah knows the cause of the station fire, putting her and Henry more on edge. Henry uses the found key to enter the cave, but is suddenly locked inside by an unseen figure. Deep in the cave, Henry discovers Brian's body and broken climbing gear before escaping. Delilah is upset by the news. The next day, an evacuation order is given for all the lookouts, as the wildfire that Henry had spotted and named earlier has grown out of control. As Henry prepares to leave, the tracking device begins beeping. He follows the signal and discovers a tape from Ned. Ned claims that Brian's death was accidental and that the boy fell due to climbing inexperience. Unwilling to return to society after Brian's death, Ned secretly lived in the area ever since. Choosing to venture deeper into the wilderness, Ned warns Henry not to look for him. Henry finds Ned's makeshift bunker, along with items stolen from the government camp, the lookout towers, and the teenage girls, who Delilah confirms have been found safe. The government camp was simply studying wildlife. Ned had been using its radio equipment to ensure that no one was looking for him and to create transcripts to scare Henry away. Despite Ned's confession, Delilah blames him for Brian's death and leaves on the rescue helicopter. Henry goes to her tower, and he and Delilah say their goodbyes via radio before Henry evacuates. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, as we said, Firewatch received generally favorable reviews, according to Metacritic. The game sold more than 500,000 copies within a month of its release and over 1 million copies by the end of its first year. As of 2018, Firewatch has sold over 2.5 million copies across all platforms. Stephen Hansen at Destructoid welcomed the choice-based dialogue tree gameplay, going on to praise the dialogue itself as well as the voice performances. The game's most impressive achievement, as stated by Hansen, was the thematic cohesion, which was said to revolve around self-imposed isolation. The sound design was lauded to have evoked a Hitchcockian sense of fear. Reviewing Firewatch, Game Informer's Jeff Cork wrote, quote, I was immediately drawn into the game's world, partly because of the power of its simple text intro, and also because of the novelty of taking part in something so mundane. Cork observed that its interactive dialogue, though simple, breathes life into the game, and called the conversations natural and engaging. He enjoyed exploring the forest environment, yet felt the ending was unsatisfactory. Scott Butterworth of GameSpot thought that the analog navigation tools, a handheld compass and paper map, were immersive but occasionally frustrating. He found that the visual beauty of the setting allowed for a more rewarding form of exploration and noted that the sound design complemented the depth of its atmosphere. Judging the development of the characters through dialogue to be bold and admirable, he opined that it served as a patient reflective examination of how two people grow to trust and care for each other. According to Butterworth, the voice acting was brilliant and layered with emotional nuance, as he had evolved a strong attachment to the characters. Games Radar Justin Towell described Firewatch as one of the most enthralling slices of entertainment I've ever experienced. He commended the voice acting for having successfully defined each character's personality traits. Towell added that the music alongside the sound design worked well in service of the atmosphere. However, he disparaged a few noticeable continuity problems that left him disillusioned. Ryan McCaffrey at IGN hailed the sense of realism elicited by the setting, despite the stylized level design and artwork. He also approved of the script, saying that voice acting enhanced it further. Of the writing, McCaffrey said it's tense, scary, and funny, sometimes all within a few minutes of each other. Not a lot of games can successfully claim that. He deemed the ending polarizing because of the story's promising escalation. Polygon's Colin Campbell appreciated the use of humor and empathy to develop the characters, considered the game's mystery to be successful and the story to be elegant and satisfying. He criticized the conclusion regarding it as not entirely successful. And with that, I, th- I think this is 
one of those games that was, in my opinion, kind of like a spiritual successor to Myst or to a lot of those other kind of puzzly exploration, beautitious games, I would say, and like these beautiful environments that are pretty indicative of like cool puzzle-esque mysteries in a way. And it's it's kind of in its own niche. Like you can call it an adventure game, you can call it an exploration game, um, but it's it's just such a cool storytelling game in a way. And so I, I think as we kind of delve into this a bit deeper, and, and yeah, I can see where people are saying is like, mm, that ending, not so much satisfying into kind of what I wanted, into what this is. But I, I think that going back to the review of like the mundaneness of this, I, I think that's kind of what would happen. And like a real, like you're not a, a hero. You're not someone who's on this force. It's just kind of like, this is why I did. And you're like, uh, all right, man, we'll see you later. Like you're not getting on the helicopter with us. We'll just bye. Like I, I can yeah. see something like that just happening. And, and, and for this to be such a cool game that really came out to a lot of people's surprise as to kind of what this involved is, is such a cool idea for, again, bringing up the idea of mundane, like, Hey, we're doing a job. Uh, you know, it's the thing you took in high school for job placement. So that fire watcher was a real career and you've been wondering about it ever since. Yeah, it's a game that I think the narrative is supposed to really be secondary, right? Like you have this concept for this thing and obviously you have to do something somewhat interesting within the game. Otherwise, it's just another simulator type game where yeah. it's just fire watcher simulator and you don't necessarily want to make that game because they didn't go for a hyper realism or any type of thing that emblematic of a realism. They went for a stylized version of being a fire watcher. And that's what made the game really cool and unique and beautiful. I think the style of this game is very, very neat. I think a Hitchcockian level of uh, sound design is a really great description for the mm -hmm. game. It's just that sense of suspense. That's very like such a, a core thing within any type of, a horror genre it's a core thing that has to exist for suspense to really feel that within this game now you know plot wise i think it's hard to disagree with the conclusion of the ending when a game is like that fixated on this big conspiracy type of like oh there's all this stuff going on and it's building up towards something to have it really sort of conclude in a way that it's actually not this massive conspiracy. It's just like a guy, mm -hmm. a tragic story of a guy who had a hard life, lost his son, you know, and, and was doing all these things around the camp just to stay hidden and isolated. Like, yeah, you know, that, that doesn't build up to be the massive conspiracy that the game leads you to believe. But it is, I think, to your point, the realistic ending. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't build up. I won't say the name of these games to not spoil more games, but it doesn't like add up to this like, oh, I'm just checking out this house. Oh, wait, there are all these things I've discovered. It's actually this huge governmental organization and they've been creating super soldiers or they've been like controlling the moon. Like it's not this <laughs> like, hey, I'm a mundane character into this crazy thing. It's, hey, I'm a mundane character. I'm getting the idea. And I, I think, you know, it'd be the both where it's like, we're out in Firewatch. We're in the middle of nowhere, spookies around, shadows, there's a locked cave, people are missing. Like, yeah, I, I think it's the perfect culmination of a human experience in this realm. Yeah. I don't think it tried to be anything more than that. And, and I think it's like, 
again, as I said, I think this really would be kind of what happened is like a guy who's like, I'm doing a fire watch. Hey, there's a fire. Hey, there's some weird stuff going on. And then like, as it builds up creepier, you're like, oh, it's in the real world. That's probably what would happen. Yeah. It's like not everything. And I understand like for video games, it's a form of entertainment. So yeah, sure. Sometimes it has to supersede the realism aspect to make it like a more interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe they just got, I, I can't imagine that they set out to like make this really great narrative. I have to imagine that for them, it's just something that started to create itself. And then by mm-hmm. the end of it all, it's like, wow, this was like way, way, maybe a little too big compared to like what they were really going for. Um, and well, that's and, maybe where it feels disappointing, but I think it's just like maybe they accidentally wrote something too good, and then I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a lot of that because you know there there are talks of like hey we wanted to have hikers, hey we wanted to have some other variations in this, but just time constraints and budget, we didn't have it for our first game. You know, there's yeah. six or seven of us or however there is, we got to kind of try and figure this out. And I, I think you know in terms of especially the dialogue tree. Because there's plenty of indie games where it's like, hey, we want this mystery story and you're just going to kind of discover it as we go along and yeah. the dialogue options are picked for you. Whereas this is like, you could sever your relationship with Delilah, basically. You could just not respond. You can be more negative. You can just like try and avoid telling her things. So having a dialogue tree that really feels like your choice is impactful. We've talked about this plenty of times of like feeling like, you know, that falsity of choice or feeling like there's a true choice into what's going to happen. And in this, obviously it's not going to change the ending, but it's going to change how you and this person build this relationship. And, and again, talking more on the human condition of this game, that's a big part of it, of, of how does this human connection, the only human connection you really have besides like running into the girls and things like that, but the actual person that you can relate to, do you sever that? Do you build it? Do you try and agree and disagree on things or how do you nurture it? I, I think that's such a great point of this game to, to add into the beauty that Ing was able to put into this, the amazing just environments and that, that painterly quality that's just felt throughout. Yeah. And I think in a game like this, where relationship building so often in video games, especially in RPGs, it can be a massive part of like the team building, getting like some sort of bonus from having like a, like a stat bonus of having a good relationship with someone that you're using in your party or something like that. You know, this sort of breaks that mold and that a relationship just being a relationship between two people, a platonic relationship of coworkers, you know, and like you said, yeah, it can be, a very good thing. It could be a very negative thing, but that's what I think makes this game so special and unique is, is it's putting you in a natural environment. It's a natural relationship between coworkers that would happen. You're trying to be a good person. I assume for the most part, people playing this game, because there's not a lot of options for you to be a a negative person because eventually you're trying to do the job. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those games that I think works really well as an indie title and you go into it with not super lofty expectations that you would for a triple A game. And that's why it's able to deliver so well. I think that's exactly it is like getting that to be 
such an impactful, insightful, fun game with a new dev that's trying something new that is using a formula that they've made themselves and not just not just taking a trip around the world, as we've joked about before, just to take a trip around the world and record some gorillas, but to be like, hey, our game is going to be based in this area. We're going to go see a Firewatch Tower so we can balance it off of that and get an idea of it, use government regulations to build it. I think such a cool way to immerse yourself within this project you're doing and to, to bring that realistic sense in such a stylized game, I think it's such a cool way to do it. And it, and it was a surprise hit that kind of came out. It was a game that no one really expected to come out or expected to enjoy so much. And that's really, I think, where indies are allowed to flex is storytelling. AAA titles, for the most part, they'll have a story, but that is so secondary, tertiary, fourthiary <laughs> of this that you're not really missing out on a lot of that when you play those. When you're playing a Call of Duty, there is a story for sure, but it's something that you're not truly looking out for in that realm. Whereas with these, it's such a cool way to tell a story that means nothing. It's not life or death per se. It's not saving the world. It's not becoming a badass. It's just a cool human condition story. So that's really, I think I was surmising this a lot, but that's really why we wanted to talk about Firewatch today was just as like a cool indie title to unexpectedly relax into, but also kind of be as, and I'm stealing this for every movie I ever watch ever of how that Hitchcockian type thing of like, we have to, like, after That's every just movie. That's fun to say. Hitchcockian. Oh, it's so fun to say. Barbie movie? Oh, man, that was, that Hitchcockian oh, so score Hitch, they had so was, Hitchcockian. Was, was, was there. I'm Kenneth. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, you know, my, my rating for this is more like, go play it and enjoy it. I, I don't think there's, like, a true funny rating to have for it. I just really am a big proponent of indie games, especially anything that's kind of stood this test of time and still comes out in new consoles. You know, play it on your Switch. Play all those, like, bonus features play all those extras and just enjoy kind of walking through the forest for sure. And, you know, I think the original spirit of video game development lives on in indie titles like this, Mm -hmm. where it's not so much about the bottom line. It's not the corporate version of video game design. It's more that pure, how do we get this thing done on a limited budget? We have a really cool artistic idea. We don't want to get massive AAA support because that comes with financial expectations. How do we make the game? that we want to make with our small team and how do we make it a success? And so excited for Campo Santo and excited to see what other things they bring to the video game industry. I think it's absolutely it. So I think as we kind of wrap this down and enjoy the crackling wildfires that unfortunately are plaguing our world, but we watched that beautiful sunset from the tower just to live another day, but enjoy today. Enjoy your life. And we'll see you on the next one. You guys are wonderful. Take care, guys. Goodbye.